It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. Five years ago, I started intentionally using cannabis to treat my chronic neck and shoulder pain. And while pain itself is not a disease, it's a symptom of an endless list of ailments and chronic illness, ranging from cancer to fibromyalgia to arthritis. Back pain, migraines, and neck pain are among the most common varieties of chronic pain. And guess what? They're most often treated with opioids and other prescription pain pharmaceuticals. The National Institute of Health estimates that almost 50 million Americans have significant chronic or severe pain. So it's no wonder we're living through an epidemic of opioid addiction and overdosing. For those of us using plant-based medicine for wellness, pain is the most common symptom that cannabis is used for, and with good reason. Our body's own endocannabinoid system helps regulate pain signaling throughout the entire central nervous system. Cannabinoids work with our body in a number of ways. They stimulate our body to release its own natural opioids. They act as an anti-inflammatory and analgesic, or by modulating neurotransmitter release. Today's guest on the podcast is no stranger to chronic pain. And his pain-filled experience and need for community at a young age led him to social entrepreneurship as a college student 20 years ago. Seth Ginsberg is the co-founder of the Global Healthy Living Foundation, a nonprofit patient advocacy organization working to improve the quality of life for people with chronic illness. Chronic pain affects everyone. So if you or someone you love suffers from chronic pain, this podcast is for both of you. Seth and I discuss the positive results of the recent GHLF study 
on patients' perceptions and use of medical marijuana. We also talk about the importance of federal legalization of cannabis and how creating community and telling your story can help make that happen. Are you ready to ease the pain? We'll settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. Well, Seth, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I really would like to hear your story because it is quite an interesting one that started at a very early age for you that led you to now being the co-founder of Global Healthy Living Foundation. So thanks again for joining me. And I'd love to just dive in and hear your story. Sure. Uh, my story starts at an early age. I've had arthritis. I was diagnosed with spondylarthropathy at the age of 13. And I come from a family of arthritis. It was and is something that many of us in the family have suffered from in one form or another. And so uh, I was fortunate to be diagnosed and began managing and treating my condition at an early age, early in the progression of my condition specifically. So uh, while it's unlucky to be diagnosed with arthritis as a, as a teenager, it's, it's lucky to be diagnosed quickly and, and treated you know, properly. So um, as I grew older, I was a first year student freshman at Babson College, and I was uh, literally like awake in the middle of the night early in my freshman year. And I was wondering like, where was everyone else who was going through something similar, or who had experiences I could relate to uh, that were out there. And so I got out of bed, I emailed my former internship boss, a guy named Lou Tharp. And in one sentence said, there's gotta be a way to bring people together in a positive environment where we could share strength and experience with each other. And fortunately, when Lou woke up a, a few hours later, uh, after that middle of the night email, he, mm -hmm. he wrote, I'd like to become a social entrepreneur. How about we do this together? And literally that afternoon, Creaky Joints became a website. And I'm actually very happy to say that this October, this month, marks our 20th anniversary. I no longer sleep in a dorm room bunk bed. <laughs> and I'm very proud of the millions and millions of people worldwide who have found each other, who have found uh, direction and support and information and hope from Creaky Joints, which is a global online patient community for all forms of arthritis, kind I have, but many, many other different types and uh, helps people and their families impacted by arthritis manage and live their life despite their arthritis. Community is such an important thing in all aspects, but man, when you're going through something that is so life altering, it helps to have you know a group of peers that know what you're going through, where you can share insight and advice and experiences. So kudos to you for creating that environment for, you know, for people suffering with arthritis. And I would just say, though, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. But um, our, our, our kind of thesis, our central focal point is around positivity. And obviously, a little dose of humor wherever appropriate, but um, staying positive and, and being productively, you know, you know, making progress is, is really our ethos. Um, whereas other, you know, organizations, patient groups, communities, support networks, um, while many of them have a similar approach, some of them, you know, tend to dwell on negatives. They, 
I've been I've heard uh, groups referred to as pity parties. And, you know, when this happens, it, it really doesn't help. And, no. you know, it's what Creaky Joints aims to continue to, to be, be a beacon and leader in trying to help people positively uh, live a life, you know, that that they want to and deserve to live. Absolutely. I buy into the idea that our thoughts become things. And so it's our responsibility to choose the good ones. Exactly. So Creaky Joints is now underneath this umbrella of Global Healthy Living Foundation, correct? Correct. So a few years in, um, in 2004, five, I'm growing old enough to forget exact years. But anyway, back then, when y- after Y2K wasn't a thing, <laughs> um, we formed the Global Healthy Living Foundation, GHLF. And we did this as the umbrella nonprofit organization with the mission to improve access to care for people with all forms of chronic illnesses. And we, you know, we kind of came about quite organically in recognizing that with arthritis, most people who have arthritis or musculoskeletal conditions for that matter, um, they also have something else. I mean, we we don't just have a condition, we have a few conditions. And, and as an old, well-established Stanford doctor, Peter Singleton used to say, when arthritis comes knocking, it never comes alone. It comes with heart conditions, cardiometabolic syndromes. Uh, there might be uh, other co-conditions, comorbidities that become uh, risk factors. And so... GHLF, with a mission to improve access to care, no matter the uh, chronic illness, is uh, kind of the um, is the umbrella organization, and Creaky Joints remains the online patient community and hub for arthritis. So I love that you know you've taken what worked for you and you know what worked with Creaky Joints, and you're trying to grow that. So when we think about these conditions for chronic pain, we're thinking what it's what are some of these other big umbrella chronic illnesses that people come to this organization with? So lots of things cause pain, unfortunately. And in the chronic pain category. Life causes pain, right? (laughs) Well, of course. But there are really two types of pain, chronic and acute. Mm -hmm. So chronic is with you for a while, as the name implies, but also likely the effect of a uh, disease or condition that manifests with pain as a symptom. Acute when you grab the stovetop or um, if you get into an accident or something else that puts a bone or a joint or a body part where it shouldn't be, that, that's acute. Um, so within the chronic disease, uh, chronic pain and, and chronic condition uh, category, there are unfortunately too many conditions that, that manifest with pain. Obviously, arthritis and musculoskeletal conditions, um, but any inflammatory disease, any condition with inflammation, which is typically felt by pain, but also potentially visible with you know red patches as, as psoriasis, an inflammatory condition might uh, manifest, but also those could be very painful on, on your skin. Uh, inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, mm-hmm. uh, another very painful condition, uh, inflammation in the gut. Uh, then neurologically, uh, migraine, which really isn't as understood as it needs to be, except it is woefully and horrifically uh, difficult to deal with, uh, especially people who um, have uncontrolled migraine uh, chronically. Uh, could be very debilitating, headaches, um, but far more than headaches, of course, with um, many symptoms that come as a result of that. 
Um, but quick side note, lots of actual positive um, developments in the migraine treatment landscape and something that I think many people, my wife included, a, a severe chronic migraine sufferer um, has to look forward to are, are the developments technologically, you know, in the, the space of migraine treatments. But anyway, um, when you say that, you know, autoimmune diseases and inflammatory diseases, all of those things can be treated and helped by the use of cannabis and, you know, particularly CBD. You know, 33 states have legalized the medicinal use of cannabis. These things are becoming a growing source of relief for these chronic pain sufferers. So, where does your organization stand on the use of cannabis and CBD um, for the treatment of chronic pain? So we think it should absolutely be explored and we caution patients and their families uh, around the fact that there is not enough evidence that is in the literature and there have not been enough studies, there haven't been any studies technically um, around the effectiveness as well as the risks of treating pain or any condition with THC or CBD. Well, I wouldn't say that there aren't any studies. I mean, in the U.S. Okay, valid, very valid. There are lots of studies around the around the world, um, and and they are very positive, and the results indicate, uh, you know, very positive uh, opportunities to engage and utilize these uh, agents for the treatment of again pain, but many other conditions. But the United States regulatory environment which unfortunately prohibits those types of studies in the U.S., prohibit the, the body of knowledge that doctors need to oversee the treatment of pain and other conditions using these drugs. There are, there's no what's called guidance for doctors or patients, for that matter, around medicating with either THC and CBD. And that doesn't exist anywhere around the world either, technically, but is something that we feel strongly about, you know, the need for us to make up for lost time, frankly, <laughs> and, and, and get done as soon as possible so that people in need of relief that, you know, via CBD or, or THC could, could benefit from it. So is your organization working to create these relationships um, to make that happen, to, you know, help with the federal legalization so that we can you know, deschedule cannabis, you know, as a schedule one drug, like what, you know, what are y'all doing to kind of push that forward? We are helping our community engage on both the federal as well as the state level. And there are definitely um, organizations that I would point to as being leaders in driving this regulatory framework forward for patients' sake as well as for society's sake, groups like MPP, the Marijuana Policy Project, mm -hmm. whereas GHLF and Creaky Joints, what we're doing is supporting our existing patient community who are already medicating, over half of whom, based on a recent study that we did, are already medicating. And we're helping to support them through that process of uh, communicating this with their doctor, uh, activating if people feel inclined to around uh, advocating uh, to, to improve the, the regulatory 
framework. And so what we aim to do is support the existing organizations that have a long heritage of a focus in this space mm -hmm. and bringing our community's um, interest and frankly need for uh, medication options and alternatives to have the opportunity to, to engage and to support that effort. You know, and, and the education piece is such an important part of it. You know, you had this uh, opinion piece in the USA Today and, you know, kind of the overall gist of it is that, you know, people that are wanting to treat chronic pain with cannabis or CBD are somewhat flying blind because of that lack of clinical trials and research and and the doctors being hesitant to get on board with that sort of a treatment because they don't have those years of data to look at. So educating people on, you know, what drugs are you currently taking and what are those drug interactions with cannabis and CBD? And, you know, I was at the New West Summit and um, Mara Gordon was giving a talk about cannabis is medicine. And one of the things that she mentioned when we, when talking about drug interactions was if you're taking a medication where your doctor has said, you know, you shouldn't consume grapefruit when you're taking this medicine, that's also a signal that might not work well with CBD. Do you know anything about that that you can kind of expound on? I don't, except I think that there are some basics that need to be kind of discussed at all costs at all times by all patients. And that's anything that you do or anything that you consume or anything that you, you know, medicate with needs to be told to your doctor. And our, our study found that only two thirds of the people who medicate with THC or CBD tell their doctors about it, which means a third don't. And helping um, our community understand and, and people understand that open and honest communication with a doctor is really where good health starts uh, is kind of the first and foremost point. Um, while I don't have uh, any sense medically or scientifically about um, contraindications or things that, you know, shouldn't be taken, you know, pharmacologically with or without uh, CBD, THC, or any medicine for that matter. Um, I, you know, I think the point is it speaks to the need for the experts in your world or in the individual patient's world to, to be a part of the discussion. And that could also include a pharmacist. And, you know, if you go to your doctor or you go to your pharmacist and you say, you know, I medicate with uh, CBD and or THC. Um, what about my hypertension or my uh, IBD or my, um, you know, any other condition? They, they they likely won't. Well, they definitely won't have any kind of guidance to point to for you know helping you navigate those decisions. But what you can do is begin the the dialogue and help share your perspective and what you're doing with the doctor or the pharmacist or other healthcare professional so that they could provide their best wisdom, whether that's experiential, anecdotal, or evidence-based, hopefully, um, for, for you to, you know, know and, and do better. Certainly. And, you know, and that's why I brought that up because me sitting in the audience and being someone, you know, I'm not on any Western medications, but I hadn't heard that before. And I'm like, that's really important information, you know, for someone to know. And so 
I, for a long time, you know, when I go to a doctor, I say that I consume cannabis and I have had people say, I can't believe that you tell your doctor that. And, you know, I'm like, well, if I'm not honest with my doctor, that's like going to a, that's like going to a psychologist and lying to them. Right. I can't <laughs> it believe just you wouldn't. Makes sense. I can't believe you wouldn't tell your doctor. Right. Well, and of course, this was probably 15 years ago. I lived in Texas. You know, I was in a, a state where that was illegal. And they're like, you know, you're writing that you take illicit drugs on on your medical form. But I'm like, so what? Like, that's it's important for me to have an open dialogue with my doctor. So I really hope that that's one big piece that people take from this is we're grown folks. Things are happening. Over half of the country has medical cannabis laws on the books. There's no reason for you to lie to your doctor about your use of cannabis or CBD. There's enough anecdotal evidence. And frankly, there's enough evidence from the scientific community to give you reason enough to try it. So, you know, definitely don't lie about it. No. What are some of the, th the key things that moved you to writing this opinion piece for the USA Today? Let's dive into that a little bit. What are some of the discoveries that you found, you know, some of that information that you can share with us? Yeah, sure. So, like I said, we did a study through a, an app called Arthritis Power. It's a free app. It's a patient-powered research network or a registry and also a symptom tracker for people who have arthritis. And it's, uh, it was developed by Creaky Joints and Global Healthy Living Foundation uh, with the support of the Patient Centered Outcomes Research Institute, or PCORI, which was funded uh, out of Obamacare to create comparative effectiveness research infrastructure and to conduct patient-centered research so that um, we could know more and make better decisions for folks who have, again, these chronic conditions or co-conditions that require, you know, much deeper and, and more patient-centered insight. And so with this tool, Arthritis Power, we have about 22,000 plus patients who have downloaded it and are using it, tracking their symptoms and participating in studies. And uh, we have a patient governor group, which is an governance oversight uh, body of patients who um, convene every year for a patient governor group summit and review the research findings and determine kind of research priorities for the network going forward. And very early on, if not the first hour of the first time we convened this group, uh, six years ago already, um, the subject of marijuana for medical use and CBD uh, was put forward by, by this group, these patients. And so um, we were able to first build the network, which we needed to do before we could conduct any research in the first place, mm -hmm. uh, and then um, you know refine our research capacity. And, and then about a year ago, uh, uh, this body, this patient governor group, uh, created what's called the protocol, which is essentially you know the the map of what a research study would would be comprised of, and it created a uh, survey of questions to measure patients' perspectives and experiences using marijuana and CBD for uh, their disease treatment, for, for management of disease. Mm -hmm. And it was a tremendous study. I want to not misquote the number of questions, but at least 75, about 80, I think, 
Oh, so that, uh, yeah, you went deep. It was a, it was a proper study. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and, um, 1,059 patients, uh, took the study, mm -hmm. filled out these, um, questions. We presented the results at an annual medical conference called the European League Against Rheumatism. And what this study found was that over half of patients in our community already medicate with marijuana or CBD. And of those who do medicate, over 80% found relief from their symptoms through either marijuana or, or uh, CBD or THC. Uh, and That's as I mentioned before, yeah, it's very encouraging. And as I mentioned before, two thirds of the people who do medicate disclose it to their doctor. And did of the those ones, who, did the one, the one third that doesn't, did, did they explain why is that out of fear? You know, what, why are they, why are they not sharing it? Did, did that tell us anything? It was for a myriad of reasons and fear was certainly one of them judgment. Um, but what we also found was the interest and desire by these patients for there to be more research about this. And, and I think too, this is kind of the central claim that we're making with these results is that this is by no means uh, medically valid. This is not a clinical trial or anything that will generate evidence by which people could make a decision for or against medicating with these types of drugs. That's not what the study was. And I want to make that very clear. But as a result of this study, there are an overwhelming number of people who are already medicating and therefore we deserve, they deserve, and society needs more information, more research, and, and more literature and guidance for, for them and everyone else. Like it's, it's outrageous to turn a blind eye to such a, a large uh, swath of of our chronic disease community um, and, and not give them the science that they deserve and the medical insight and medical knowledge that, that they need. I absolutely agree. And the one thing that needs to be perfectly clear to everyone is that in order for that to happen, we collectively and each person listening individually has to make moves in their own community to destigmatize and to legalize because until we do that we can't have what we need and we can't get that information because of you know federal laws so besides being a cannabis consumer it's really important to be a cannabis advocate right okay so how does one be a cannabis advocate let me answer that question <laughs> uh, because you are absolutely right so advocacy is education Advocacy is awareness. Advocacy is not putting on reading glasses and writing a 350-page bill for your state house to approve. It doesn't have to be that. Right. Advocacy is not putting on a white coat and giving a lecture at the Food and Drug Administration. It doesn't have to be. But advocacy is about telling your story with a message and a call to action to help people understand you know, what to do with the information you just gave them as it relates to, in this case, public health and patient uh, needs. And uh, advocacy is about educating your community, your tribe, 
I mean, literally starting with your family mm -hmm. and moving out to your friends and your other circles of interest, your, your, you know, anybody who you interact with um, to help them understand your perspective, but your perspective informed by information or facts or knowledge that you're, you're basing that on and allowing people to become educated and understand the situation, whatever it might be. We're talking about THC and CBD and medical marijuana right now. We could have this exact conversation about several other topics. Just go down the list. It could be about, um, you know, gun control. It could be about uh, abortion. It could be about, you know, they're just advocacy is applied in within all these different issues with a very similar framework. And that's helping a community understand and helping a community know more and then giving a community its share of voice to make an impact. And here for the sake of marijuana and CBD, I think it's about helping the community understand destigmatizing it first and foremost, but then, you know, allowing people to, to recognize that um, there's a difference between fact and myth. And there's a difference um, between what people might see and read in headlines that are not geared toward um, informing its, its readers and um, what is actually happening or the actual impact that it, these drugs might be having on people's conditions. Absolutely. Here, here. I agree wholeheartedly. So through your organization, if someone is trying to share their story, but also provide good information, links to important documents or research or websites, out of everything that you've created underneath the Global Healthy Living Foundation, what are some of those first things that, because you've created a body of work that people can use to share this story. So are there some certain things that are kind of first rattle out the gate that you would suggest people sharing? Totally. So we have an advocacy network that we built. It's actually going to be in its 10th year. Um, it's called the 50 State Network. And folks can go to the website 5050statenetwork.org and plug into the issues. And, and you'll see it. that's laid out you know, effectively to help people understand what to know, uh, what to say or think, and then what to do. And it goes issue by issue related to access to care for people with chronic conditions. And the other resource for people is, of course, Creaky Joints, which is C-R-E-A-K-Y-J-O-I-N-T-S dot org. And um, on there, people can read more about the study that we've been talking about, but also a lot of other uh, marijuana and CBD for chronic pain and arthritis uh, management insight and discussions and, you know, best thinking. And then, um, you know, of course, have uh, the benefit of a community on our Facebook page through Twitter and social channels like Instagram, uh, where folks, you know, ultimately, hopefully can can live their best life, um, you know, with us as a community. Absolutely. And I'll be sure and share all of those links in the show notes at casuallybake.com. Um, now, tell me, you, there's one other thing that I saw on the website called Fail First Hurts. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So Fail First Hurts is a campaign that GHLF has been 
um, spearheading for, uh, again, a number of years, too many to count, it feels like. And what fail first is that these are policies by insurance companies that are known as step therapy. And what this does is basically require uh, patients, insured patients, to first fail on cheaper or older or potentially less effective medications before whatever a doctor prescribed is to be covered. And this is uh, obviously very egregious to us as a, as a patient community, but especially folks who have inflammatory and musculoskeletal conditions where that time requiring a patient to fail could cause really irreversible joint damage and deformity and, and, and obviously a great deal of pain. And, and for that reason, we've uh, helped our community to both spread awareness about this condition and then educate the public about policies, literally laws at, at the state level, which um, make this illegal or, you know, what we settle for is enable a pathway for appeal and expediting the appeal by a patient and their doctor uh, to at a minimum just get the medicine that they need, whatever that is and whatever's, you know, determined by their doctor. So that's the website Fail First Hurts, which is a, a component of our 50 state network advocacy campaign, which uh, cuts across a number of policies, regulations. Um, we, we're quite active in the vaccination space to help, um, you know, public awareness levels um, around vaccinations and their importance and so forth. And so folks are invited to, to check out Fail First Hurts as, as well. So before we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask or that we didn't touch on that's super important that we share with the audience today? I'm just glad that you're doing what you're doing, and I, I'm appreciative of the, the discussion and dialogue on the subject of marijuana for medical use and CBD, something that we as a society, we, we're not acting or it's certainly not becoming of a first world country and definitely not leading where we obviously and so clearly should be and perhaps will hopefully will be in, in our lifetime uh, in in driving forward our understanding, our knowledge, and our experiences uh, managing chronic conditions as well as acute conditions with all medications and all um, approaches, and, and many are non-pharmacologic, of course, to help our, you know, our society and to help each other. Well, you know, I'm, I want to remind us, and it's a scary thought, but we're all touched by chronic conditions in one way or another. It's either firsthand or secondhand. It's either ourselves or someone in our family or extended family. And so we owe it to um, each other and we owe it to ourselves to explore as many of these options in as much a rigorous and a rigorous uh, way possible uh, so that you know we can do our best and, and um, you know, it starts with this discussion and it moves to educating and then it, it gets to advocating and it, it turns into activating and and hopefully we we make the difference that that we need and, and we deserve. So uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the, the chance to chat. And, um, you know, if folks want to learn more. They're welcome to go to creakyjoints.org, download arthritispower.org or in app stores and then uh, get involved with our 50 state network. All right. I appreciate it. And I also appreciate that hope and optimism is um, at the core of everything that you do. So that makes me really proud. And I was really happy to read that. And then, of course, hear you speak about it today. 
because, you know, that's that's pretty central to the casually baked lifestyle is, you know, cannabis for wellness is the way I live my life. I walk the walk and talk the talk on the podcast. And I always try to center the message around talking about the the positive sides of things and the things that we can do instead of talking about the things that are going wrong and complaining that federal legalization hasn't happened yet. It's like giving us the tools to feel empowered to make these changes. So thank you for being on that train with me. Awesome. All right, Seth, well, you have a wonderful day. I appreciate the chat. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. When it comes to using cannabis for pain management, it's on you to find your sweet spot. Too low of a dose will have little effect, but too high of a dose may actually increase your pain. And if you take any pharmaceutical drugs, it's important to check for drug interactions. A dosage tracker is extremely helpful to discovering your personal script. If you're curious to find the best consumption method for you, Remember that oral preparations, both sublingual and tablets, are quickly effective, especially for chronic pain. Smoking and vaping are also viable options. Topical applications are especially effective if the pain is localized or related to the skin, such as with dermatitis. If you smoke or vape for pain relief from inflammation, Try a low THC, high CBD variety like Canatonic or ACDC, or ask your bud tinter at your local shop for a recommendation. For chronic pain relief, try a balanced THC-CBD combo strain. You might find more relief with strains that are high in the terpenes myrcene, linalool, and borneol. And I recognize there are times that opioids must be used. If you're someone who suffers from extreme nausea as a side effect, I really encourage you to talk to your doctor about using a moderate amount of cannabis in combination to give you some relief from that. Another great conversation is if you decide you want to titrate off the opioids and onto the right dose of cannabinoids that works for you when the time is right. I know that that is all a lot of smoke to inhale, so don't worry. If you're on the move or you're sitting in traffic, I'll be sure to include all of this info in the podcast 113 show notes for you to reference. They live at casuallybaked.com backslash blog. Heads up that next week begins a very personal three-part series on cancer, personal wellness choices, plant medicine, and thriving through chemotherapy. I hope you'll tune in to this conversation with me and my sister-in-law, Dion, and my sister, Crystal. I really appreciate Dion pulling back the curtain for us on this one. Now, switching gears, since I'm already seeing pre-Black Friday sale shit everywhere, I better go ahead and let you in on my favorite things, Jopra style. So, no, everybody, you're not getting a car. (laughs) But you will get great recommendations for your family holiday gift exchange. Or, you know, that white elephant gift at your office party. And you know I've certainly got you covered for the perfect anytime gift for the cannabis lover in your life. 
You'll find Joe's favorite things right here. It's going to be another podcast bonus series. I'm excited to help you do your holiday shopping. And since it's always the season for sharing, I hope you'll puff, puff, pass it on. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one talk at a time.